spiritual mourning comes from the heart. And that's why it really is key to tackling what we sometimes call these habitual sins. This is how change moves forward in a Christian life. It's never one step in the process, but you never move forward without this. You can't. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm Steve Hiller, and Colin, I'm sure that in all your years of ministry, you've had a lot of people who have come to you and said something like, Pastor, I've really tried to conquer this particular sin in my life, but I just can't seem to do that. But I hear you saying that with appropriate biblical mourning, that that's possible. Yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us so we can actually grow in the Christian life. And whenever a believer comes to the place of saying, I just can't overcome this sin, that's unbelief that is speaking at that point. That is not faith that is making that statement. Um, you know, there's all the difference in the world, Steve, between saying I'm sorry to God after I do something that I've done many times before, you know, a short temper or a critical spirit or whatever is the thing that one tends to fall into repeatedly. Mm -hmm. There's all the difference in the world between saying, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I did it again, and really coming to what Jesus speaks about here, which is blessed are those who mourn over their own sins, mm. to look at it to the point where I loathe it and therefore turn from it. Now, in as much as we can learn to do that in relation to what we call habitual sins, we're going to see some real progress and some real change. So we're talking about something of huge importance in the program today. Well, if you can, I hope you'll join us in Matthew chapter 5 as we continue the message, Blessed are those who mourn. Here's Pastor Colin. Here's God's foundation, and it bears this seal, and it's in two parts. Here's number one. The Lord knows who are his... And secondly, how do we know who are his? Well, here's the mark of a person who is his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. In other words, what is being said here is this is absolutely foundational to what it means to be a Christian. If you are going to name the name of the Lord, here's what it means for you. You've got to depart from iniquity. Not simply admit that you're a sinner, not simply say a prayer. If there is to be the bond of a living union between you and Jesus Christ, then the faith that will be the bond of that living union will also be the wellspring of repentance. And it begins from day one. So the call of God to repentance that involves a change of direction being replaced by simply admitting that you're a sinner and asking Jesus to forgive you. Can you see how huge a shift that is? And having heard much growing up of that kind of emaciated form of faith that poses under the banner of Christianity, I remember when I was 17 years old, is when this truth really first came home to me. I was 17. Some of you are a bit younger. I went to a convention in England, big conference, and heard Dr. Alan Redpath, who one time was the pastor of Moody Church. He's a senior, senior preacher in his last years. I'll never forget the force, 17 years old I was, of hearing him say, God has not promised to forgive one sin that you are not willing to forsake. 
and for a boy who knew too much about cheap grace, that one read in. How dare I, 17-year-old Colin, come before God and say I admit I'm a sinner, and please forgive me while I have every intention of carrying on doing the same thing. God has not promised to forgive one sin that you are not willing to forsake. And if a generation grows up with a kind of belief because of an emaciated presentation of the gospel that all you really need to do is admit you're a sinner and that there shouldn't be any great expectation of change, then what's going to happen? You're going to have a generation growing up in church world that thinks the gospel is essentially about everything being written off as far as my sins are concerned and going to heaven for the future and basically continuing to pursue the American dream as an unchanged person with faith added. A.W. Tozer saw this coming, writing in this city of Chicago more than half a century ago, 1948. This is what A.W. Tozer said. He he saw the change coming. He saw how a, a new form of faith that is not biblical faith was substituting the reality of repentance and faith. And he said this, the whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless. Faith may now be exercised, he says, without a jar to the moral life. In other words, no real change of direction. Without embarrassment to the Adamic ego. In other words, never really coming to know my own poverty before God. He said, describing what he was seeing, 1948, Christ may now be, quote, received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man thinks himself, quote, saved, but he is not hungry or thirsty after God. So, folks, we are surrounded by a form of faith that is posing under the banner of Christianity, uh, a faith that has been redefined to accommodate our own intransigence, and a repentance that has been repackaged, reshaped to fit our own continuing indulgence. And the result is a growing mass of people who admit that they are sinners and, quote, accept Jesus and yet have not really experienced the life that is in Christ. And what is the evidence of that? The evidence is that they do not feel poor in spirit. And they do not really know what it is to mourn over their own sins. And there really isn't a hunger and a thirst after righteousness or a submissiveness to the will of God when it's hard. They're not merciful. And there's not much purity of heart either. And most of all, there's a missing out on the sheer joy of all that's in Christ, the blessing of all that's in Christ. They hear folks who are real Christians speak about the joy that they found in the Lord, and they don't really know what that is. So I'm saying to you that this beatitude, the second one that we're focusing on today and, and then looking at how to pursue it next week, it's of huge importance to the whole church of Jesus Christ today. What do we know about spiritual mourning 
the kind of sorrow over my own sins that takes them so seriously that I am not in the pattern of cyclical repetition of the same old thing again and again. Why, why does that happen? Because it's too easy to just say, sorry, Lord, thank you that you forgive me, and I'll be back next time. Spiritual Morning. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, part of our series Momentum, How to Make Progress in the Christian Life. You know, this series that we're listening to on the radio has also been turned into a book. Pastor Colin has written about this in a book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. Maybe you recently have become a Christian and you're wondering, how do I grow? Or maybe you want to disciple a new Christian and you're wondering what that would look like. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of Pastor Cullen's book that could help in this way. It's our thank you gift as you give a financial gift of any amount. It's our way of saying we appreciate your financial support this month. You can find out more or give online at openthebible.org or call us at 877-OPEN-365. Again, the website, openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. Let me just frame out a little more for you today what this spiritual morning looks like. It really has three distinguishing marks. And uh, three words, if you just want to write them down, are humility, heart, and hope. Uh, spiritual morning is marked by these three things, humility, heart, and hope. So just to frame that out, spiritual morning first arises from humility. In other words, this follows as a natural outcrop or, or consequence or outflow from being poor in spirit. Get on the first string, we're saying. Swing on that first string. And once you're on that first string, you will not find that you are far away from the second. You will find that the second comes within your reach. You begin to see, I do not have what it takes before God. Then you begin to mourn over the sins that are yours, and you begin to mourn over the righteousness that you lack. We've been picturing, you remember, the Beatitudes as a series of seven rings, and, and this is the whole principle that we're walking through in this series, that you move forward in the Christian life by moving from the one to the next. Friends, here's what that means. You can't start on the second ring. You've got to start from the first. There's continuity here. See, there is a certain pleasure in every sin. A passing pleasure, but a certain pleasure in every sin. Nobody would sin if there was not a certain pleasure associated with every sin. And so there is an attraction for sins that we have indulged that has got us. And so that leads to this great question. Well, how can I come to hate what I used to love, to turn from what I used to choose. I can't suddenly sit there in a chair and say, well, I'm going to make that switch. No, of course you can't. You can't start on the second ring. You start on the first. But you swing on that first ring. You really take hold of your own need and your own poverty before God, and you're not having what it takes. And everything that we've been looking at, that will get you to the place where morning's beginning. It arises from humility, discovering your own true position before God. Get on the first string, and it will not be long before the second is within your grasp. Second, uh, distinguishing characteristics. Spiritual mourning is a matter of the heart. 
Now, everyone knows there's a huge difference between the person who says, I'm sorry, and is merely trying to resolve a problem, and the person who says, I'm sorry, and really is sorry from the heart. We all know about that. And the spiritual mourning that we're talking about is more than saying sorry to God. It is a matter of the heart. The Bible tells us a story about King Saul, and uh, he went to battle. This is in uh, 1 Samuel and chapter 15. And he disobeyed the specific commands of God, and he took plunder for himself, and he took plunder for his men. The man cheated, the man deceived, and the man stole. And then he lied to cover it up. But through the prophet Samuel, he was found out. And when he was found out, he immediately said how sorry he was. He comes to Samuel and he says, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And then he says something else that gives the game away that his being sorry really doesn't come from the heart at all. He says to Samuel, I've sinned, but please now honor me before the elders of the people. You see? I'm very sorry, but what I'm really focused on is damage limitation. And I want you to make sure that everyone else thinks I'm a great guy. And you know the rest of the story of Saul. If you don't, it's a disaster. That's all you need to know. Because there never really was repentance from the heart in the man. Just damage limitation. So spiritual mourning comes from the heart. And that's why it really is key to tackling what we sometimes call these habitual sins. To come to a place of saying, Oh God, I've come to see the extent of this thing. I've come to grieve this thing. And we're going to see as we move forward in the series that that's going to lead further onto a third ring of submission to the will of God and then onto a fourth ring that's called what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is how change moves forward in a Christian life. It's never one step in the process, but you never move forward without this. You can't. God promises mercy to mourners. And those who do not mourn their sin are in great danger of presuming mercy. They are not on the path of repentance. They are on the path of presumption. One quote, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Alexander McLaren says this. Uh, it's very powerful. If you have never been down on your knees before God, feeling what a wicked man or woman you are, I hugely doubt whether you will ever stand with radiant face before God and praise him through eternity for his mercy to you. And why does he say that? Because God promises mercy to mourners. Not trite people who say, I've admitted that I'm a sinner. You see the difference, don't you? There's all the difference in the world. Third, Spiritual mourning is infused with hope. Spiritual mourning is infused with hope. Now, Judas grieved over his sin. But Judas did not mourn spiritually for this reason. 
that his grief led him to despair. And despair is always the work of Satan. It is never the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember that whenever you become serious about the things of God, that is happening because the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. But as soon as the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, the enemy of your soul is going to be paying attention. And so it's very important at this point to be able to distinguish the work of Satan from the work of the Holy Spirit. Very important to be able to make that distinction. Here's one way that you make it. Satan will lead you to despair of yourself, but he will never lead you to hope in Jesus Christ. So he'll just leave you in despair. He'll just leave you consumed with mourning. He'll never let you get to the place that says, for they shall be comforted. That's why they're blessed. The Holy Spirit will bring you to an end of yourself. The Holy Spirit will bring tears to your eyes, perhaps, overseeing the extent of your sin and what you've done to others and what the offense of this really looks like to God and how long this pattern has actually been there. And you begin to see the extent of it. And you begin to say with Paul, oh, wretched man that I am. But the work of the Holy Spirit, friend, will never, never, never leave you there. Judas' mourning is not spiritual mourning. It's in being consumed with the devil. That's why he goes and he takes his life. Despair. But the Holy Spirit will never leave you in despair. True repentance leads to life. That's why it's blessed. This is why there is comfort that is in them, that is in it. Thomas Watson, I just love picking up his pithy little phrases, and here's another one. He says, gospel tears drop from the eye of faith. You see what he's saying? There's a way of weeping over sin, and I don't want to get hung up on whether there are physical tears or not. We're talking about the heart. But what he's saying, you understand what he's saying, is that there can be tears that are simply self-deprecation. But gospel tears fall from the eye of faith. They have an eye on the cross. They see the extent of my sinfulness in the light of the price that Jesus Christ paid for it on the cross. And that's where there's hope. Hope, friend, is the signature mark of spiritual mourning. It's not spiritual mourning if there isn't hope there. So when Jesus is talking about the blessing, the joy, the comfort that comes to those who really mourn their own sins, he is pointing us to this, a spiritual mourning that is marked by humility, that comes from the heart, and is absolutely infused with hope that streams from Christ crucified, the man of sorrows who is the friend of sinners. And that is why authentic Christian experience is always a two-sided coin. It is always a two-sided coin. Paul puts it this way. You find it once you see this in the Bible, you'll start seeing it everywhere. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Isn't that a striking phrase? sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Why? Because we see our own need. We mourn our own sins. There's, you never outgrow that, just like we never get to a place where we're sinlessly perfect. We're always seeing how we need to grow further and always seeking the grace of God to move forward. 
sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Why? Because the kind of spiritual mourning we're talking about does not leave us in the place of despair. It, it brings us to the cross and to the place of hope and to Jesus Christ. So the two sides to the coin of genuine Christian experience always keep these two together. It's so important. Remind yourself of this. The true Christian says, who is sufficient for these things? You come to the place, you say, how am I going to get through this next week? You feel your need. But the work of the Holy Spirit will never leave you there. Biblical experience is refused with, infused with hope. And therefore, the person who says, who is sufficient for these things, also goes on to say with Paul, our sufficiency is of God. Spiritual mourning will lead you to the place of saying, oh, wretched man that I am. But because it is infused with hope, the Holy Spirit will not leave you there. The other side of the coin is this. What? Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Spiritual mourning may lead you to the place of identifying with Apostle Paul when he says, I am the chief of sinners. And you'll say, I, I'm there and I see in myself what I have come to loathe and mourn and grieve, but the Holy Spirit of its spiritual mourning will never leave you there. As well as saying, I am the chief of sinners, he will also lead you through the hope of the gospel to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. True Christians mourn their sins, but they never end there. Spiritual mourning is infused with hope that arises from the man of sorrows who carried our griefs and carried our sorrows and bore them on the cross so that drawing near to him the Holy Spirit may take all the good that was purchased by him and apply it into the deepest places of our lives as we walk that path of genuine faith and genuine repentance until the day when the comfort that is begun now in Jesus Christ is complete. And there will be no more mourning. For on that day, God will wipe all tears from our eyes. What a great way to wrap up today's message here on Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. Our message is entitled, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn. And as we've been learning today, spiritual mourning is one of those things that we all need to be doing to be growing in our walk with Christ. You know, I know sometimes we may feel like we've quit growing in that relationship or that it's become stale. Well, the series Momentum is all about how to make progress in the Christian life. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in the series, you can come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org. And you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, that's at OpenTheBible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We're able to be on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you Pastor Colin's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And Colin, what can we learn from the Beatitudes? 
Well, the Beatitudes are the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on how to have a blessed life. And who wouldn't want to pull up a chair and listen to the Son of God tell us how we can be blessed? That's what's laid out in the Beatitudes. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus tells us not only what it means to be blessed, but how we can actually pursue the blessing of God in our lives. So if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, you want to know more of the blessing of God, well, there's no better place for you to look than the Beatitudes. Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give over the phone by calling us at 1-877-673-6365 or online. Our website is openthebible.org. Again, the phone number is 877-OPEN-365, and the website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. How do you avoid being the guy or girl who hangs around the things of God for 10, 20, or 30 years, but never changes? Find out next time on Open the Bible.